Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of Pop Culture Leftovers. In this episode, we are going to be talking about one of the hottest things on TV right now. If you have a Netflix subscription, and who really doesn't these days, you've been watching Tiger King. And on Tiger King was featured Brittany Pete. She is the PETA Foundation lawyer who testified at Joe Exotic's trial. She rescued nearly 50 animals from his custody. She led PETA's campaign against him. And she's on the Tiger King series on Netflix. And so we are going to be talking to her. Uh, Neil, Tristan, and June, and myself, talk to Brittany. And she is going to be giving us some of the, I don't know, some of the things that the documentary may have left out. We're going to be asking her the questions about Carol Baskins. We're going to find more about uh, Jeff. Uh, somebody not featured too heavily in the documentary, Tim Stark. And, of course, we're going to be talking Joe Exotic. But give this one a listen. This is absolutely amazing, and there's things that you can do to help out these big cats and uh, help rescue them. All right, enjoy the episode. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. We are talking with PETA Foundation lawyer Brittany Pete. Uh, she testified at Maldonado's passages trial. Uh, you've rescued nearly 50 animals from his custody, and you led PETA's campaign against him. And you're also on the Tiger King series on Netflix. So it's just an honor to have you here and to hear another voice uh, other than some of the voices that we got on the documentary. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I know we have questions, but I want you to kind of just tell us a little bit about yourself and your involvement in sure. in this in in this whole big cat world, and and maybe other aspects of like you know taking uh, animal rights seriously as opposed to maybe some of the people that we did see in the documentary again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I'm, I'm director of Cap the the PETA Foundation's Captive Animal Law Enforcement Division. Um, I'm, I'm also an attorney. We're, we're within the PETA Foundation's legal department. So, um, so we focus particularly on legal initiatives to advocate for animals who are used in the entertainment industry. And we focus a lot on animals who are used in roadside zoos, like the facilities that are depicted in, in Tiger King, because that tends to be the place where, where captive wildlife in the United States are abused the most. Um, and Joe Maldonado passage or Joe exotic as he likes to call himself. Um, it really was public enemy number one for our department for more than a decade. Um, and it was primarily because he was pumping out hundreds, if not thousands of baby tigers and, and other big cats and sending them across the country to be used in these tiger cub petting stunts that have created a huge overpopulation crisis of captive tigers in the United States. 
and a, a, a captive tiger welfare crisis in the United States because of the cycle of abuse that's caused by by t- the tiger cub petting industry. Um, as you saw in, in Tiger King, baby tigers are stolen from their mothers sometimes just a few minutes after they're born um, so that, that they can be shoved into the the lucrative cub petting as soon as they possibly can and, and to start making money for these exhibitors. But then once they're they're three or four months old, they're too big to be safely used in encounters anymore. So so then what happens to them? And I think that that's one of the big questions that that people need to ask about this industry. And what we've found out um, the, the first time that I met Joe, he told me that a lot of people um, who do cub petting just simply kill the cubs once they age out of cub petting because they become a financial liability at that point. He said that some hit the cubs over the head with a hammer to kill them. And he specifically told me that Doc Antle puts cubs in a gas chamber that he has on his property. He kills them and then he burns his bot, their bodies in an on-site crematorium. The cats that aren't killed, um, some of them are used as breeding machines themselves. Their own babies will be taken away from them shortly after they're born, um, and then they'll be impregnated again, and the cycle continues. Um, others are simply relegated to cramped cages at the back of roadside zoos uh, where we see them pacing back and forth for the rest of their lives. Um, so this has become one of our primary missions um, in, in our department is to put an end to this cruel industry once and for all. Yeah, I, I honestly think that it's almost like correct me if I'm wrong here, but it feels like it's like a drug cartel. Like you got to start at the head of this drug cartel to like bring the rest of them down because not only does it, is it just like, um, I've noticed like with these, these, uh, these tiger habitats and these zoos, but I've, I've been on online and I've, I've looked at these things for years. People own servals those they're big exotic cats and they're breeding them with house cats and that's a huge problem and and they call those cats savannas and so it's not like this is just a you know like i think it trickles down in many different layers but you've got to start and take out the big ones the guys that are supplying people with these cats first in my opinion and i think going after yep. joe exotic is definitely the first thing you know, that's, that's where you start, but the problem, it's such a big problem elsewhere within the country. It just doesn't stop there. And I'm just glad that there are people that are actually trying to stop this because it just seemed like in the documentary, it's running rampant and you see the map of where all these different zoos are. And it's just overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the good news is we're winning and, um, the the cub petting industry has contracted significantly in just the past few years, and and there are a few reasons for that. Um, one of them is is the fact that that Joe is now in prison, um, but PETA has also filed two big federal lawsuits against um, some of the other major players in the industry. Um, we have an Endangered Species Act against Tim Stark who is is featured in Tiger King 
um, and his roadside zoo in Indiana called Wildlife in Need. And in that suit, we are alleging that uh, prematurely separating big cats from their mothers, using them in encounters, um, Tim Stark takes the cruelty a bit further, and he actually declaws many of the big cats that he uses in cub petting. Um, and so that's also an allegation in our lawsuit that declawing violates the Federal Endangered Species Act. Um, and we're also suing him over the poor conditions um, in which he confines big cats. And in that case, we were able to get the first ever preliminary injunction that prohibits Stark from prematurely separating cubs from their mothers and um, using cubs in cub petting encounters at his facility through the pendency of our litigation. Um, it also prohibits him from declawing cats um, through the pendency of the litigation. And that the reason that that's so significant is that in order for the judge to have made that finding, um, he had to find that PETA was likely to succeed on the merits of the case. And so so that's really exciting. Um, Jeff Lowe is now also a defendant in, in that lawsuit. Um, so the scope of that lawsuit has expanded a bit. And, and so that's very exciting. Um, our second Endangered Species Act case um, taking on cub petting was filed against a Florida facility called Dade City's Wild Things that Definitely would have been featured in Tiger King, um, but but um, the the Stearns family that owns that zoo wouldn't agree to be interviewed for the film. So so they didn't appear in it, but they were one of the major uh, players in the cub petting industry, and they also took the cruelty further um, by allowing um, so called swim with a tiger cub encounters. Um, and for those, they would throw a tiger cub into a swimming pool um, with uh, a patron who would pay $200 for the experience. And these cubs were terrified. They were, we, PETA did an undercover investigation of Dade City's Wild Things, and it showed these cubs frantically trying to get out of the pool, um, climbing on to the handlers in the pool, doing anything that they could to stop swimming, but the handlers pulling them back by their tails, pushing them out into the water and forcing them to do it. Um, we won that lawsuit last week. And so now we have the first ever federal court order stating unequivocally that prematurely separating baby tigers from their mothers and using them in public encounters violates the Federal Endangered Species Act. And so we we're now, I mean, we really have the we're at the first step to ending this cruel business once and for all in the United States. We still have work to do and we have a ways to go, but, um, but this is a huge step and we're really excited to start using this, this court order and, and this precedent to shut down other exhibitors. I think this documentary for as crazy as it is, is going to open some eyes and hopefully it'll get things moving. Have people been starting any change.orgs or anything? I haven't been following that. Uh, yeah, we've we've seen some petitions, um, but but most importantly, we're we're seeing more people talking about the Big Cat Public Safety Act, um, and that's really important uh, for for people to know about. Um, and it's one of the most important things that any of us can do 
to help put a stop to this industry is to call our federal legislators and and tell them that we want them to support the Big Cat Public Safety Act. Mm. Um, that bill would prohibit the private ownership of big cats, including tigers. And, and critically, it would prohibit direct contact between members of the public and big cats, including tigers. Um, so if passed, that would stop the cub petting industry in its tracks. It would end this industry for good. And, and these cub petting encounters are, are what's keeping a lot of these horrible roadside zoos in business. Um, so if we can knock out cub petting, we can knock out a huge amount of the cruelty to captive wildlife in the United States. Awesome. I know that, uh, I have some questions. I know that, uh, uh, Neil, Tristan and, and June have questions. I, I want to ask this question to start off. Sure. For me and everyone watching Tiger King, we're at, we're kind of at the mercy of how the documentary portrays certain people within the documentary. And I'm very curious to know the truth about Carol Baskin and all this. I, I don't think the documentary is clear on how the animals are really treated. Uh, so I, I was curious about your thoughts about Carol Baskin and her leadership at uh, Big Cat Rescue. Well, I've, I've worked with Carol Baskin for many years, um, just on various big cat advocacy projects. Um, I've been to Big Cat Rescue myself several times. Um, the, the way that the series portrayed her facility was incredibly misleading. Um, they only showed tiny portions of animal enclosures, um, the, the, the small spaces of the animal enclosures where the animals go to eat and drink. The animals have spacious enclosures with, um, with beautiful enclosure furniture, natural substrate, they have an excellent environmental enrichment program. The the animals at Big Cat Rescue are are provided with state of the art excellent care. Uh, Big Cat Rescue is accredited by the Global Federation of Animal Sanctuaries, uh, which is the premier accrediting body for for sanctuaries in the world. It has the highest standards for captive wildlife husbandry. So they also have that third party oversight that that ensures appropriate care of animals. Um, but I mean, just on a, on a personal note, Carol is an extremely kind and compassionate person who is incredibly dedicated to ensuring the welfare of big, of captive big cats, um, and, and wild cats in the United States and, and preventing cruelty. And for years, she has been the whipping boy of the captive industry because she's been so vocal in her advocacy. People have terrorized and bullied her online and in person for years. I can't imagine what she's, what she's gone through. And then to have been literally hunted by these people or, or by, by Alan Glover and by Joe himself. Um, she lived in a state of terror for years and, and then there was some respite when Joe was arrested. But now she's being terrorized all over again following the release of, of Tiger King mm -hmm. and the misleading portrayal of her. And I think that a lot of that um, comes from stems from our misogynist culture. Um, 
but it's it's disheartening to see people coming away from this documentary somehow seeing this woman who's dedicated her life to saving cats from the likes of Joe Exotic um, coming away seeing her as a villain and and coming away seeing this man Joe who was cited for more than 200 violations of the Animal Welfare Act while he was exhibiting who gleefully admitted to shooting five tigers in the head just to make room for tigers that he was being paid to board who who groomed young straight drug addicted men and turned them into his virtual sex slaves with with drugs and money um, and who horribly abused animals for years who indiscriminately sent cubs to people baby tigers to people he knew would kill them um, and and some somehow people are walking away thinking that this man is a hero and he's not he's he's a criminal he was convicted of two counts of murder for hire and 17 counts of of wildlife crimes he's no hero and anybody who's walking away with that impression um really needs to to take a step back and and think about what they saw yeah i think um, it's actually oh go ahead sorry, sorry June. ryan no i was gonna say this one of my questions i had though does kind of talk it, about the difference between you know big cat rescue and then um gw zoo because i think one of the arguments that joe exotic is trying to make is she's no different than us like her facility is no different than mine except she her big cat rescue is a sanctuary and i don't think as entertaining as the docuseries was, it doesn't really differentiate and explain exactly like what the differences um, are between sanctuaries and then these zoos and, you know, what, how the facility becomes a sanctuary, like what exactly does it take to become accredited as a sanctuary? And then how, and you mentioned the global federation of annual annual sanctuaries, like what that um, overseeing body does to ensure that these sanctuaries are compliant. Sure. Yeah. So the the primary difference between a sanctuary, a true sanctuary like Big Cat Rescue and a place like GW Exotic, um, the primary distinctions are that a, a sanctuary, um, it does not breed. It doesn't buy or sell animals. It provides animals with a permanent home um, and it never allows direct contact between animals and the public. Um True sanctuaries are also always nonprofit, um, unlike GW Exotic, um, which is a for-profit business. Now, some pseudo-sanctuaries, um, such as Wildlife in Need, Tim Stark's facility, do operate as as nonprofits, um, but um, it's it's all smoke and mirrors. And the Indiana Attorney General's office actually has um, filed suit against Tim Stark for violations of Indiana's nonprofit law, um, alleging that that Stark has been funneling nonprofit funds for his personal use for years, using nonprofit funds to buy animals. Um, so it's really important to um, to look closely at, at these facil- any facility that you're considering supporting um, and, and, and really the standard that everyone should be using is, is GFAS accreditation. Um, the, the GFAS accreditation standards are um, readily available on GFAS's website. Um, before being accredited, there, um, you have to fill out 
um, a ton of paper paperwork, provide um, significant documentation um, about your facility. There are a number of site visits that have to be done. Uh, and it doesn't cover, it doesn't just cover animal care. It also covers um, things like financials and succession plans, um, boards of directors, just to ensure that that not only um, that the animal welfare program is sound, but that the business itself is sound, which is also, which is uh, critically important because in order to be able to provide animals with a stable permanent home, you have to be operating a, a stable business. Yes. So Brittany, uh, you mentioned that the number of these facilities is contracting due to your efforts. Um, but just given the docu series and the immense public fascination with these big cats, I can see public interest increasing. So do you see these, uh, these facilities growing by the number, just given the popularity of the series and, you know, all of the efforts that you guys made sort of backtracking at this point? It's certainly a fear, but I don't think, I don't think it's something that, that we're going to see while there are there are certainly people who, you know, I mean, we're seeing memes and and people posting funny things on on social media celebrating Joe as a folk hero. I think that that most people truly are walking away from from this docu series thinking about the animals and and understanding that these crazy, insane people that they saw on their screens. Um, are not people who should be trusted with 500 pound uh, predators, uh, you know, and and we are making great strides from a legal perspective in in stopping this business. The fact that that PETA is filing these lawsuits, which, which, these lawsuits which are extremely expensive to defend, is has also been a significant deterrent for more of these facilities getting involved in cub petting. Um, a, a lot of these facilities, too, I think, thought that they were immune um, from from facing the consequences of their actions um, because so many of them were for so long. It's illegal for any of these places to be buying and selling tiger cubs um, because they're an endangered species and none of these facilities qualify for the permit that's required to um, to buy and sell tiger cubs. So this has all been been done illegally over the years. And Joe was the first person to be prosecuted for it. So once he was arrested and then convicted and sentenced to prison for trafficking an endangered species, I think that's also become a, a huge deterrent. And you know, and and while there may be more people paying attention um, to the the tiger cub petting industry um, because of of Tiger King, and maybe more some some people will be interested in it. Um, I think that the popularity of Tiger King um, may also cause law enforcement authorities to pay more attention to the trafficking that's been going on, and I'm I'm hoping that that some of these other people are going to be joining Joe in prison very soon. Yeah, looking at Doc Antle and like hearing the rumors of, uh, of, of you're saying like gas chambers and crematoriums. I mean, 
that needs to be looked into if that's what's really going on here because that is that is sickening and it and it basically just putting an animal um to sleep in that way just because it's outgrown uh it's it's use for for the zoo is is a serious problem. And I used to just think that the biggest problem was like, you know, the poaching in other countries. I, I was donating and I, I, I just started my donation up again to the World Wildlife Foundation where they try to protect, you know, tigers and, uh, from being poached. I thought that that was the biggest problem. I didn't know the biggest problem going on right now is in our own country with all of this. And that blows my mind. I think this documentary really opened that up for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's it's not just a problem. It's it's a crime. It's a federal crime punishable by by prison time. And um, it's something that that federal authorities have turned their backs on for many years. Um, that changed with Joe's prosecution. And and we're hoping that now with the increased attention on these these issues with with Tiger King, that um that that the feds are really going to start paying attention to this and crack down. Mm. Neil. Um, actually, what um, what impact does so we had a new law, you know, um, introduced in November, the Preventing Animal Cruelty and Torture Act. Um, I mean, all all the things that you were talking about, you know, declawing the cats. I mean, throw, you know, killing the cats and uh, killing these tigers in gas chambers and then you know cremating them. I mean, a lot of this does sound like animal cruelty and under this new law cruelty to animals is now a federal crime i mean does this new law have any impact no it doesn't unfortunately the the scope of that law was vastly overstated in some social media memes um it really didn't expand the scope of uh, there is no federal cruelty to animals law um that that law mainly relates to um crush videos which were already it sort of expands the scope of of the government's ability to prosecute crush videos and expands the scope of what that means um that said um the killing tiger cubs trafficking in tiger cubs that's already illegal under the federal endangered species act Uh, so so the the u.s fish and wildlife service already has jurisdiction um, to to arrest and punish people for those crimes. You mentioned uh, the Dade City's wild things. I guess they didn't appear in Tiger Kings. Is there some other uh, organization or incident or occurrence that you're disappointed not to see in the docuseries? Uh, well, I mean, I, th- I think, I mean, this isn't the, the docuseries that PETA would have made, Um but it is, it's a docuseries that a lot of people paid attention to. And because of that, it's, it's allowing us to, to, to get our message out there more. And more people are learning, um, about the cruelties of, of cub petting and, and this whole industry. Um, I think that the, the players who were featured in, in Tiger King, um, for the most part, are the big players in the industry. Dade City's Wild Things was another, uh, but but there are many more across the country who are engaging in in these activities. And um, Peta has a blog post listing a few more of them, um, hi, you know, highlighting them. An- another that we're that we're paying a lot of attention to right now, not relating to cub petting, uh, but our big 
uh, tiger priority right now is actually in South Carolina, um, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Um, it's uh, at a roadside zoo called Wakati Zoo. Um, they have a tiger named Lila who lives in a tiny, cramped, disgusting, unsanitary cage. And she's almost completely bald. Mm. And she needs to get to an accredited sanctuary as soon as possible so that she can get the, veter- the veterinary care that she desperately needs before it's too late. And so that's what we're really we're trying to focus a lot of our, our effort right now on um, shifting focus from Tiger King um, and, and everyone's attention on, on tigers right now to this tiger, Lila, in South Carolina, who really needs all of our help. There are there are sanctuaries who are um, ready to to go get her and get her the care that she needs. We just need Wakati to agree to let her go. Wow. Are there other um, exotic animals that are being trafficked kind of at the same rate as, as the big cats that we should know about? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there are, there's a huge trade in lemurs are another endangered species that there's a huge trade in, in the United States. Every roadside zoo has, uh, at least one lemur. Um, birds are, are another species that are, that are trafficked, um, significantly as, as are reptiles. Um, it's a big issue both internationally and domestically, um, and, and one that that we should all be paying attention to. Um, I think t- tigers is one that we're all really paying attention to right now because of Tiger King. Um, but but yes, there are there are a large number of other species who are being trafficked. I'm curious as to like. <sighs> I, 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 I've been known to go to zoos, but I prefer, like, if I go to a zoo, most of the, like, I, there's a local zoo around here, and the animals that they have in captivity are animals that have been injured in the wild and that can't protect themselves mm-hmm. out in the wild. And so they get veterinary care. And so, you know, um, I, I don't know if I feel conflicted on us, you know, on humans being able to just look at them in the cages, but on the flip side, it's like, the, I do know that they have veterinarians that go in there and take good care of them. And, 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 uh, so I, I, it, I just feel like that should only, as far as like animals that are bred in captivity, that needs to end. And zoos, any operating zoo should just be any animal that can't take care of themselves out in the wild. I, I feel like all animals should be out in the wild and, and be able to live, be able to live their life out in the wild. Um, do you see, like, I'm, I don't know even what I'm asking here, but do you see any problems <laughs> with like zoos in in general? I, I don't know what your stance is on on just zoos and like what should we be looking for? Just going to like if your town or city has a zoo, is there anything that we should be looking for to make sure that they're um, that it's run safely and and that they're accredited? Yeah, I think I, I mean. PETA would agree with you completely on your philosophy and in that wild animals belong in the wild. And the only time that they should be held in captivity is, is when they can't be. Um, so when they're, they're injured or, or ill and can't be released or they're, they're unreleasable because they're imprinted, um, on, on humans. Um, and, and so, you know, 
zoos really need to adopt the the sanctuary model in order to um, be in line with with modern welfare standards. And I think also with um, with what the public wants, the public is is increasingly demanding the highest possible welfare for animals. The public is increasingly knowledgeable about about animal welfare issues and and they understand that when they see a tiger pacing in a 10 by 10 foot cage um, that that's not okay and they don't want to see that and they don't want to support that Hmm. Um, in terms of what to look for in a captive wildlife facility the first thing to look for is 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 the facility accredited by the global federation of animal sanctuaries or the, the AZA, the, Associ- the Association of Zoos and Aquariums. And if not, it's probably not a reputable facility. Um, and, and, you know, the next question to ask is, why aren't you accredited? That's good to know. That's good to know because we want to be supporting the right places, the right people that are, that are in uh, care of these animals. So I think that's, that's huge. That's important. We should be looking for those things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and look at the animals. I mean, part part of the problem too is I've seen a lot of people walking away from the Tiger King documentary saying, "Oh, well, the, the animals at GW looked well cared for." Well, you know, unfortunately, you know, we're not experts. Mm. Um, and and whenever whenever we um, at the PETA Foundation work on a case, you know, it's not the lawyers determining whether the animals are being held in appropriate conditions. We consult with outside experts who who can look at these situations and see what we don't. They can see, looking at um, a cage with grass in it, that there's a dirt path all around the outside of the cage showing that this animal spends most of their time pacing. Um, you know, these are things that most of us wouldn't see if we looked at it. Um, so, you know, that said, there are things that we all can see clearly when we go to, to a facility like this. And, you know, anytime you see a, a primate who's being held in solitary confinement, ask why, because primates are, are highly social animals and keeping them in solitary confinement is incredibly cruel and it shouldn't be done. Well, that was, um, that was huge in the documentary when they showed the two, I believe it was two chimpanzees hugging after yeah. 10 years of being separated. And that really got to me. Um, and also as far as like the treatment of the animals with Joe, I, I don't, I, I think it was the daily mail and I could be wrong, but I, they talked about how he was actually kind of frightened of the big cats and that before he would go in the cage with them, they would give them like a sedative, a shot. And that just seems cruel. I mean, certainly is if, if it's true, I don't know if that's true or not. Um, you know, he had that one, he had one larger enclosure at, at the zoo. Um, but, but other than that, and, and this is something that I, that I don't think that the documentary showed either. Um, I mean, at certain times he had more than 200 big cats at his zoo. Um, you know, and you saw like maybe six or seven in the documentary. So where are all of those other cats? Well, I'll tell you, um, because I've been there. There, most of the big cats are held in these rows of cages that look like cell blocks. They're about 10 by 10. They keep two cats to a cage. They're dirt floored. Um, 
there's so much urine built up from years of cats being held in those cages that as soon as you open your car door just out in the parking lot, you're hit with this ammonia stench Mm. that, I mean, it was on my clothes when I got back to the hotel that night. It's so disgusting. I mean, these cats are frantically pacing back and forth. These are animals who in the wild have home ranges of hundreds of miles, um, who can barely take a few steps in either direction. I mean, and this is where he's using these cats as, as breeding machines to create these tiger cubs that he treats as currency. Mm. This is a, yeah, this is a huge problem. This is a huge problem. And I, that one of the things in the documentary that sickened me was Jeff Lowe. And I'm, I'm glad that, um, you know, he's been going he, that you're going after Jeff Lowe now. Um, yeah. Him putting the baby cubs in carry on bags and then taking them into hotels in Las Vegas for Instagram models and other people that want to get their pictures taken in Vegas with baby cubs. And it blew my mind that at one time and he was so sad that it that it failed. The, the, I guess they had a bus that they would a tour, like a bus that they would bring people on and they would. They would party in this bus and people drinking alcohol, I'm sure, and then hanging out and be, being able to pet baby cubs. And I, I just don't know how people sleep, put their heads on their pillows at night after doing terrible things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jeff, Jeff Lowe is, is one of the worst. He's, he's a con man and he's a really good con man and he talks a good game, but he is just as cruel, if not more than the rest of them. Um, you know, he he uses cubs not just as as currency to make money, but as currency to to take advantage of women, um, you know, get them to sleep with him and his wife. Um, and he will do absolutely anything that's necessary to uh, to make money and and to get sex. And he's continuing to breed cubs at his at his zoo now, thankfully, Um his zoo doors are closed and, and he's not able to make money that way right now because of the, the pandemic. And, um, we really hope that, that that hurts his business. And, and in the meantime, um, he's a defendant in one of our lawsuits and, uh, and we're really looking forward to, um, to doing whatever we can to get him shut down. Uh, hopefully put behind bars, just like, Joe Exotic, because the irony there of them putting the tigers behind bars for their lives and not being able to roam free and, and, and be out in nature and raise their young and, um, have the freedom that a big cat should. The irony of them being, uh, spending the rest of their lives behind bars, I think is a beautiful thing. And I, I, I hope that that happens for all of the people that are exploiting, um, these beautiful animals. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think that it will. I think that the net is closing in on all of these people. They have been exposed for the criminals that they are. Um, their illegal activities are, are being exposed. And, um, and I, I think that we are going to see every single one of them joining Joe in a prison cell before too long. Fantastic. And I'm looking forward to it. Fantastic. Me too. So, out of all the the awful people who we met on the show, 
<laughs> is, who is the worst? I mean, I mean it's really hard bad. to it's really hard to say because they're all bad in different ways. Um, mm. In terms of in terms of who is the most callous and cruel to animals, I would have to say Tim Stark. Um, and viewers of Tiger King didn't get to know Tim Stark very well, um, but we've gotten to know him very well um, through our litigation. He um, he brags about the fact that he beat a leopard cub to death with a baseball bat. Um, he was, he was Jesus. convicted of um, he's been convicted of trafficking before. Um, he, unlike others in the industry, I mean, Joe told me that he thought decline was cruel and he stopped doing it years ago. Um, but Tim continues, continued to do it. He would, he says that he would, he would like to, um, to still be able to do it, but he's not able to because of our lawsuit right now. Um, and not everyone understands exactly what declawing is. It's not like trimming your dog's nails. It's, it's an amputation and it would be like in humans, it would be like, like amputating your finger at the last joint. And it, it causes horrible complications for, for big cats. It causes them lifelong pain and, and lameness and, and also extreme psychological distress because they would use their claws um, for for so many things in nature, including just walking as well as gripping prey. Um, so not to, you know, to not be able, you know, think about what it would be like to not be able to, as a human, to not be able to use your fingers. Um, it, it, it causes horrific distress, but, and, and not just that, there are also severe complications from the surgeries and several cubs have actually died at Tim Stark's facility from, from horrific and painful complications from these surgeries. Um, in addition to suing Stark himself, we also sued his veterinarian, the veterinarian who performed these, these cruel surgeries. Um, and we, we achieved a, a first of its kind judgment in that case um, that holds that that declawing any threatened or endangered cats violates the Endangered Species Act. So that that violates federal law now. Um, and so that was also a, a huge victory against Tim Stark's cruelty. Um, I mean, he just he just doesn't care when we did his deposition in the case um you know, he he talked about the fact that you have to um, use physical discipline on on big cat cubs, and and he likened that to the the physical discipline and the beatings that he inflicted on his own human son. Um, I mean, this is the mentality of of this man. Um, he's just incredibly cruel, um, not only to animals but to humans. Hard to believe that we didn't meet the biggest piece of trash in this documentary as i mean it was just it was a circus of just terrible people in this documentary and this tim stark just sounds like i i can't i can't even imagine seeing yeah yeah absolutely i mean he was just sort of a you know an ancillary character so i'm really hoping you know if there is a another season of tiger king that that people will get to know tim stark more um and and you know, things are the net really is closing in on Tim Stark. Um, the Indiana Attorney General's office has a suit pending against him now. 
Um, they went in and did an in-depth inspection of his facility a few weeks ago, and and their complaint is seeking to shut him down and have all of his animals transferred to appropriate facilities. Um, so you know he has he's facing that suit. The U.S. Department of Agriculture recently issued an order uh, revoking his his license, the, the license that allows him to exhibit animals. He's appealed, so that ruling has stayed for now, but he will likely lose that license. And he's also facing um, this Endangered Species Act lawsuit from PETA. Wow. Wow. I uh, would love to read that deposition transcript. Oh, it's <laughs> like, the, yeah, the video is even better. And the... Oh. The crazier part, I mean, this, it just gets crazier and crazier. He actually had a heart attack that evening after the deposition. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> so have you or PETA been contacted for um, any future projects regarding the Tiger King as far as future seasons or even the, dramatiz- the dramatization of the uh, – whole incident with that I believe it's being produced by Kate McKinnon. Have you guys been contacted as far as being a part of anything related to Tiger King in the future? We haven't been contacted in relation to the the dramatic series that's being produced by Kate McKinnon. Um, Of course, you may have seen that that Peter reached out to the producers asking for their assurances that that real animals will not be used in, in the series. We haven't um, we still haven't gotten assurances from the the production that they're not using live animals yet, but um, that's something that will that we will be pushing for. Um, I have been in contact with the the producers of Tiger King um, since it aired, but um, not in relation to anything substantive or f- future seasons. That that um, that's still up in the air, as far as I know. What, have you heard Jeff Lowe just like recently came out and said that? Here's this quote. Um, he said in a cameo video posted on Twitter that, quote, Netflix is adding one more episode. It will be on next week. They're filming here tomorrow. Yeah, so so that is apparently going to be um, a 30-minute Netflix-produced series where Netflix talent will be interviewing um, certain members of, of the cast of, of Tiger King. Um, as a way to to further promote the show, um, but the the producers of Tiger King are not involved with um, with with this new episode. I see. So this is a Netflix. Ne- okay, this is a Netflix. Yeah, thing. it's gotcha. it's a promotion. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, I, I I see. I just don't want them to. I feel like I, I don't know. I, I just don't want this to glorify any of these people in any way. And that's what it feels yeah, like it could agree. be doing. And I really worry that this, yeah, that this new episode is just going to give these awful people another platform to to spread their misinformation and lies. Jeff Lowe, in particular, um, and and I really hope that that people see through those lies um, that they that they remember that that Jeff Lowe is is a felon who posed as a domestic violence mm-hmm. charity to get over a million dollars in discounts and products for his for-profit liquidation business that he was arrested in Las Vegas and that that three endangered animals were confiscated from him all of which were in terribly poor health um and that he is is 
still facing court hearings in Las Vegas over charges of failing to have a business license and failing to have a license for exotic animals in Las Vegas because he he didn't abide by the conditions of the judge's stay out of trouble order. I, I, I want people to remember the fact that that he zipped baby tigers up into suitcases yeah. also he could make money and and get sex from from attractive women it's disgusting he's a criminal and and I, I really hope that people aren't taken in by his lies. And I'm worried about this special too, if there's going to be any justice for Carol Baskin or if it's just going to be more roasting of Carol Baskin, because I feel like I agree, Brian, this, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah I totally agree. I feel like this documentary in a way, cause I walked out of it, not, not having the greatest opinion of her. And that's why I yeah. wanted to talk to you about this because now I look at her in a completely different light. I feel like this documentary is done for Carol Baskin, what the OJ Simpson trial did to Marsha Clark. And it's just yeah. taken a, a really sweet, genuine, honest person. And the media, the producers have just kind of like spun her in a different light. And we're not seeing the real person we're not seeing um you know the the caring person that she really is um so yeah i i i don't know i think there needs to be just like with the fire fest documentaries i think there needs to be a couple of them i think we need another one from the other side with another view other than just like the jerry springer exploitive Look at the circus freaks that you got in this thing. And let's all, let's all laugh at Joe Exotic and his songs and ha ha yep. ha and let's make some memes. But then we all lose focus on like the real issue here is that this is still going on in our country. So. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think the, the public vitriol against Carol Baskin following the release of Tiger King is it's sexism at its most wicked and and it also reflects the the lack of media literacy in the United States. And people are just not able to take a step back and see that they're walking away from Tiger King, um, you know, with, with the view that the producers wanted them to have. They were presented with cherry-picked clips, with cherry-picked evidence from the investigation into her husband's disappearance, despite the fact that she was never arrested or charged with a crime, everyone is is sure that she committed murder. Um, you know, all because of a man- manipulative and salacious presentation in a documentary, and um, and she doesn't deserve it. And it's just, I'm so. I, I think a, a lot of women feel this way. I'm just, we're just so tired of women being of victims being victimized all over again. Yep. I feel like very true. I feel like the producers they wanted it to be ambiguous because they know that's what sells. They might as well just right. like do they right. did they work for the National Enquirer or the Sun before this? Because <laughs> like that's how I feel like some of that came off with Carol Baskin now. Like they really yeah. were leaving it kind of like this gray area where yeah, she may have fed her ex husband to a big cat. And um I'm glad that we have I, I want I want I want these nuggets of truth. I I want to know the truth, uh as far as these things are concerned, because the documentary is very misleading. And and it's insane. I mean, this whole Carol feeding her husband to the tigers theory was it 
it's a it's a figment of Joe's imagination. It's it's a lie that he cooked up. I mean, why are we indulging this crazy person's fantasies? Joe Joe wouldn't know the truth if it if it bit him in the face. Mm-hmm. Why you know why is and the documentary producers know that he lied to them too, just like he lies to everyone. You know, so why was there an entire episode about? Joe's fever dream about what happened to Don Lewis. It's just absurd. Because they know he's their meal ticket. He's what sells, right? And that's all it is. It's all about getting clicks and likes and selling what you're, you know, as crazy as it is. It's not, sometimes it's not about the truth because the truth isn't always sexy. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. Actually, I mean, um, Brittany, how, how was this documentary when, when the, filmmakers approached you to be in this how did they pitch this to you because now that listening to you kind of tell us more insight about what was going on with these people and you know painting a clearer picture of who carol baskins really is it is hard to determine what exactly they were trying to do with this doc like in some ways yes they are shedding a light on this massive problem of this you know cub petting industry these roadside zoos but then they're also glorifying these horrible horrible people who run these facilities um so I'm not exactly sure what they were trying to do here. Like how how were, how do they approach you about it? So at f- when I first interviewed, um, it was a couple of years ago. I was at a captive wildlife conference in L.A. and Eric Good, uh, one of the directors, was there. And one of my colleagues knew him through some conservation work and introduced me to him. And when we started talking about the work that I've been doing um, with with Joe and others in the captive wildlife industry. And, and he asked to interview me for the documentary. And at that point it was really ambiguous. Um, I mean, at that point he was still, he asked a lot of questions about the reptile trade. Um, it wasn't really fully formed yet. And then I ultimately interviewed four different times for the documentary. At one time they told me that they were setting it up as, um, focusing on three people. They were focusing on Joe as the main character. And then they were focusing on his relationships with these two women, um, both of whom were animal rights advocates, one of whom, Carol, he tried to murder. And the other one, me, he seemingly befriended. And, you know, I ultimately was the, the only other than him, I was the only defense witness at the trial. I mean, I was subpoenaed. I wasn't there um, voluntarily. Um, I mean, it shows how weak his case was that a PETA attorney was was the star defense witness. But so at one point, um, <laughs> you know, they were setting it up as, you know, with me as one of the main characters. Um, and then it I think that I wasn't interesting enough or salacious enough. <laughs> and so, you know, they brought in, um, you know, Tim Stark and Jeff Lowe and Mario and Doc Antle and, and all of these other people with, um, you know, with, with lives that are, you know, have, have more of a train wreck quality than, um, you know, than my life sitting at home with my dog watching SVU does. <laughs> what, what information what testimony did you provide that provided a defense firm? So Joe's theory um, was, so I, I met Joe in November of 2017 um, and it related to the state cities, wild things endangered species act lawsuit that, mm-hmm. that just ended. Um, 
these people are all crazy. And in order to try to evade a court ordered site inspection of their zoo, they um, they sent our, our lawsuit related to tigers. And so they thought, well, if we just send all of our tigers to other zoos and there are no tigers here, then there can't be an inspection. Well, they were wrong about that. <laughs> um, but wow. they, they sent 19 tigers from Florida to Oklahoma to Joe's Zoo in Oklahoma in the heat of July in a metal cattle trailer with no water. Mm. Uh, one of the tigers was, was pregnant. She gave birth on the trip and all three of her cubs died. Um, and it violated a federal court order. So we had Jeff and Joe um, as accessories to contempt of court. And so we were able to come up with an agreement with them um, to get those 19 tigers and arrange for them to be transferred to a sanctuary. Um, and so I met Joe on the day that we went to rescue those tigers. And, you know, at that point, he was really painted into a corner. Carol was um, was closing in on collecting her million-dollar judgment. It was getting harder and harder for him to be able to evade that. And he was also falling out with Jeff and Jeff owned the zoo at the time. And, and I think Joe was really realizing that he screwed up. Um, Travis had just died. He hadn't met Dylan yet. Um, and he was in a really bad place. And I think that he saw PETA as a potential exit route. And so, so we were trying to negotiate an agreement that would get him out of the business, get all of his animals rescued, um, you know, ultimately that didn't work because Jeff would have had to agree to it and, and he wouldn't. But in Joe's mind, it was a defense to the murder for hire charges, you know, that that he was working to get out of the business. You know, wh- why would I try to kill Carol when I was trying to negotiate um, a settlement that, you know, that would get me out of the judgment? Um you know, it was a very it was a very poor defense, but it was the only one that he could come up with. And thankfully, the jury didn't buy it. He's just all about yeah. self-preservation. <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. right there Absolutely. towards oh, yeah. the end. And just a just a textbook narcissist. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, he wanted to be famous and, uh, way to go, buddy. You are huge <laughs> right now. Mission accomplished. He did. Finally, finally. Yeah, I so, can't wait well, for ho- this Halloween. The hottest costume is going to be <laughs> the Joe Exotic. I promise you. I oh, promise yeah. you, it'll be the hottest Halloween costume if we are able to leave our homes. I sh- <laughs> yeah, right. I, I shudder to think, and I, I I'm I'm not going to be able to to leave my home. That that'll be that'll be a little bit too much. Too soon. Uh, I'm not ready for Joe Exotic Halloween. There will be no. Joe Exotic. There will be Carol Baskin. And I, yep. I oh, yeah. promise you. Uh, there you know. will be sexy tigers. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm sure I'm sure that that's right. Um, so how many big cat rescues are there in the United States? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, and I'm not sure the exact number off the top of my head. Um, but there, there are, I think maybe around, around 10 true big cat sanctuaries in the United States. Mm. Um, big cat rescue being one of them. We work a lot with the wild animal sanctuary, um, out in Colorado. They, um, the, the 39 tigers and three bears that we rescued from Joe's zoo before he fled, um, 
were all rescued by the wild animal sanctuary. And, um, we just rescued, we rescued the last six tigers at Dade city's wild things in Florida, um, last Tuesday. Um, and, and the, the court, we were able to do that because the court, um, designated the wild animal sanctuary rescuing those cats as an essential government function. So they were able to travel interstate for that because Dade City's wild things claimed that they didn't have um, any more food to feed the cats. So um, so we, we work a lot with them. Um, and there, there are a few other true big cat sanctuaries across the country that are doing really wonderful work cleaning up the mess that, that Joe Exotic, Tim Stark, Jeff Lowe, and, and the Doc Andals of the world are creating. I can't imagine I can't this being a problem in, like, Canada. Like, Canada just doesn't seem like <laughs> – is this – I mean, is this is this just in the U- – are we just lunatics in the United States? I, is, this, is it just – Yes, we are. Yes. <laughs> so, so, yes, but it, and, and it – it isn't as big of a problem in Canada, but it is a problem in Canada too. Um, I don't think that, that there, that there, that there are a lot of facilities doing tiger cub petting in Canada. Um, but PETA did an investigation of a facility called the Bowmanville Zoo a couple of years ago. Um, the owner is a guy named Michael Hackenberger, who also used to provide big cats and other animals to circuses, um, and to Hollywood. Um, he he provided one of the tigers for the movie Life of Pi, um, mm. a film with the there was a tiger in a boat. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and we had Peta had an eyewitness investigator who was able to capture video of the training process for the big cats who are used in circuses and entertainment. Um, and and what we found was horrifying. He would in one of the clips he whipped the tiger. 19 times, um, the tiger was, um, she was on her, her back in a submission position and he just kept hitting her and hitting her and hitting her. And she was so scared that her anal glands released. Um, and, and he did that all because she, she failed to recognize it, to acknowledge a cue for a jump, to jump onto another platform, you know? So, um, and this was you know, the, this was the training for the film. This is the the behind the scenes training that that people don't see. Yeah, and this is um, what you know, like at the end of the movie we're we're all supposed to feel really good when it's rolling scrolling through the credits and we see none of the animals were harmed during the filming of this movie. <laughs> Absolutely we're all right. supposed and, to and, feel good, and that's usually true. They usually aren't harmed during the filming. They're harmed in the in the behind the scenes training that happens oh. before the filming, and and what the trainers do is. They'll always have, I mean, and this is, this is the same way that it works with elephants in the circus. They're beaten mercilessly behind the scenes with these, um, with bull hooks and whips. And the trainers will always have, a, they'll have a prod or a rod or something in their hands as a reminder to the animals. Mm. And so the animals see that they'll hold it up and be reminded of the beatings that they got behind the scenes. And it helps to, it helps the trainers to, to control the animals without having to beat the crap out of them in front of an entire cast and crew in a film set. Wow. I remember, what was it? There was a movie just released a couple of years ago where there, there was video of, um, of a guy throwing a dog down kind of like a, like a, a dog's place or a dog. Yeah, it's called a, a dog's purpose. 
Yeah, and it, it was yeah a German shepherd who was thrown into mm. uh, raging raging water, and the the film vehemently denied that there was any cruelty, despite the fact that there was clear video showing mm-hmm. this terrified dog being thrown into to rapids against his will. I mean, and there's just no there's no reason for that. We have CGI technology um, and yeah. and and productions can also use previously filmed footage of wild animals and it's another initiative a big initiative of PETA's is ending the use of of wild animals in in television and film it's it's always cruel you know even you know when these animals can't be released into the wild and and have to be in captivity we need to allow them to stay in their homes and not be put into tiny transport cages, taken to terrifying film sets, subjected to brutal training behind the scenes, um, you know, all for a few minutes of footage in a film. You've got me thinking about so many different things right now because I'm thinking about like my, my dad was a huge fan of the, the poster, like a poster dog and he was in calendars at Mr. Winkle and it's a beautiful story. Like <laughs> this dog was, you know, thrown out on the streets and just kind of like the dog just, he looked odd, but he was so cute, you know, had his tongue was permanently sticking out of his mouth. Look, just a beautiful looking dog, very adorable. But I'm also thinking to myself, like, they made so much merchandise and the dog toured all over the place. Same thing with like Grumpy Cat. Like, is this really good for these animals at the end of the day? Yeah, I mean, and and it might be slightly different for. Oh, my my dog is is now wanting to chime in. Um, he wants to go outside. Uh, but, um, we'll we'll, we'll be done here in just a second. What's your dog's name? Uh, Leonard is chiming in. He feels very strongly about this. And it, you know, it may be different for for domestic animals like like dogs and cats who are used to being around humans, and that's an important distinction. Um, you know. Wild animals in the wild would would avoid humans at all costs. So it's always somewhat frightening for them to be around humans. Yeah. Uh, we definitely. Okay, Leonard is, Leonard is, is. Oh no, no, he's back. He's down. I would imagine that Leonard's a very well treated dog. He is. He's a sweetheart, and he is a shout out to Peta. He is a Peta rescue. Um, he was hit by a car when he was six months old and sustained a very badly broken leg. And his, his previous guardian um, just left it for a week with no treatment before he called PETA. Um, wow. PETA um, picked him up and they took him to the emergency vet. Sadly, by that time, um, his leg couldn't be saved. Um, so PETA covered the cost of the amputation and one of their very kind employees fostered him for a week mm. and then he came to live with me and he's been with me for, for over a year. Um, and now he goes swimming every week and he's a very, very athletic, very sweet three legged German shepherd mixed dog. Oh, beautiful. I think it's amazing how, <laughs> how dogs can adapt to like, just like losing a leg. I've seen dogs like on, like on Reddit with like just two legs and just running around. And it's incredible yeah. how quickly they can adapt, whether they can, whether they, whether they're deaf or blind. I think it's just, I, what was it? I saw somebody, 
they were like, this is how you wake up a blind dog. And they just took like a piece of like, like a treat or something like that and put it under the dog's nose and the dog woke up, you know, not just, just not because you don't want to startle, you don't want to startle the dog. And it's, I just think animals are just, um, uh, dogs in particular, cats. I, I, I'm a cat owner and I've, I've owned dogs, but I, I, I just think they're incredible creatures. And I, I think what you are doing and going after these people that are mistreating, uh, these gorgeous animals, um, is just awesome, and uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on today. Well, thank you so much. I I really, really, really appreciate the opportunity, and I'm always so excited to to share more about our work with people. And and I'm really excited that you know, even though Tiger King isn't the film that we would have made, mm. it's giving us opportunities like this to um, to tell to educate more people about these issues. And and I think that um, that ultimately. It's going to help us to shut this industry down. What can we do? What can we do as, you know, as listeners, as people that care? Is there something that we could be sharing online or could we be donating uh, to different causes that could really help big cats or just animals in general? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you can go to PETA.org um, and, and make a donation to support our work. That's always appreciated and needed. And, and we, we are very, 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 very careful with, with donations. And I'm very proud of the work that we do. Um, and you can also learn more about the issues at PETA.org, not just in relation to captive wildlife, but in relation to, um, to all animal rights and animal welfare issues you'll find there. The most important thing that everyone can do to end the big cat cub petting industry is to simply Never have your photo taken uh, with a big cat cub mm. and 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 never, ever buy a ticket to a roadside zoo to support uh, these these criminals who are abusing animals. And the other thing that everyone can and should do is to make that quick call to your federal legislators to ask them to support the Big Cat Public Safety Act. Uh, if we can get that passed, then this industry will be over. How can, that's awesome that everybody needs to do that. So everyone that's listening, please, please do your part. Um, and I don't know, are you, are you on social media? Is that something, uh, do you want people to follow you or Leonard? I mean, I'm just curious. Sure. Yes, I am on Facebook. Um, and both Leonard and I are on Instagram. Um, you can find us there. Awesome. Awesome. I wanted to thank you so much. I don't, Neil, Tristan, June, thank you as well for joining me and, and, uh, talking with Brittany. I don't know. Did you guys have any final, uh, comments or questions for Brittany before we, before we wrap? Um, no, thank you so much. Yeah, <laughs> this was wonderful. Exactly. Thank you for talking to us. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for your time. You're very thorough in your answers. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that a polite way of saying that I'm long-winded? I know. <laughs> no, just saying that you 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 answered all of our questions thoroughly. Oh, you know, I, I, you you aren't curt. You know, and generous with your time. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you all. And I mean, we would have talked for another, at least another 30, 45 minutes. This is all for Leonard. Leonard, <laughs> you, we, this is all for you, buddy. 
<laughs> Leonard appreciates it. It's a really nice day here. So he's, he's, he's thinking he wants to go and play with his friends. Yeah. Leonard, thank you for letting, <laughs> loaning your mother for this afternoon to talk with us. <laughs> we looking. really appreciate it. So, thank you again, thank you Brittany. So okay. Have a great day. You Stay too. safe. Bye bye. Take care. Like seven million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that makes us happy, like shooting at a walk rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carry over. Culture pushovers, pop culture, leftovers, and with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftovers, pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture leftovers, podcasts that originally good, have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft, and with the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit,